Oh, for fuck's sake. Gonna make me do it myself. Then you bastard. Alright, here goes nothing. Come on down to Narangong, where narrow-minded folk belong. Bring the kids, it's a bloody good place to be. There's a bakery and a primary school, a decent pub and a public pool. There's a roundabout and a bloody good petting zoo to boot. So come on down, have a beer. You can stay if you're from here. And if you're not, you best be moving along from Narangong. You can't. Oh, Jesus. Well... That wasn't exactly pretty. Well, Earl's gone and got himself thrown in prison. I don't even want to say what for. So, so you're left with just me there. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm known far and wide now for obviously my oratorial skills uh, and my charm, but uh, I'm definitely not widely known for my musical abilities, and I don't think I will be after this. It's a crying bloody shame, because this is the last episode of the Oral History Project ever. Uh, I think that's really the worst part of Earl's legal dramas, is, is what it's done to the show, really. You know, the whole... Just just the worst part of what he did, really, is the effect it's had on us here. How's that? Yeah. No, I guess what he actually did to get locked up is pretty bloody horrible, too. It's about... Even 50-50, really? Yeah. No, we're definitely victims as well. Well, like I said, this is our last episode ever, and we are just as excited to bring it to you as we are sad that it'll be over. But we shouldn't let that stop us. So without further ado, here's March Failed. There's really not a sport at which the people of Narangong don't excel. You've got your three major sports, of course, footy, cricket and shearing, and various minor ones besides, to which a confident Iranian could turn his hand, foot, head, or shears as the will struck him. Australian Charles Darwin had been a champion cross-country runner in his youth. It was rumoured that a chance encounter with a potteroo one bygone race day had prematurely ended his running career and simultaneously set him limping down a new path towards greatness in evolutionary zoology. The girls at the school are perennial netball champions, and of course, Bernie down at the Rear Admiral can scull a pint in three and a half seconds, a town record that stood for seven years. There's only one sporting activity that ever eluded the physical talents of the locals, surf life-saving. There are two monuments to the town's failed experiment with the unfamiliar pastime that survive to this day. Down at Hogswash Beach on the riverbank, a sign offers a grave warning. Narrow Surf Lifesaving Club on duty, Swim at your own risk. And out back of Old Man Shanky's house sits the fanciest, dearest washing line in South Australia. This adventure began in Old Dinga, on one of Old Man Shanky's sales trips not all that long ago. He'd been down the coast and figured it couldn't hurt to stop by the beach for some fish and chips and a bit of fresh air before the long drive home. And that's when he saw them. Endless rows of striped and coloured tents, flags snapping in the crisp sea breeze, and bronze bodies bouncing by in tiny speedos. What in the bloody hell is this then? He wondered aloud. It's the carnival! A small lad beside him piped up. The young fellow was wearing speedos of his own, and had a small red cap tied onto his head. His nose was red from the sun, and the hair that peeked out from under his cap was bleach blonde by the sun too. He was clutching a rapidly melting ice cream, 
and what looked to be mint chocolate chips streamed over his fingers and dripped bright green onto his bare feet. He squinted up at Shanky, then turned and hurried down toward the beach. Come again? Shanky called after him. The surf life-saving carnival! The boy yelled over his shoulder as he ran on down the sand. Old man Shanky wandered after him. The beach was crowded with people, coaches tying down equipment, parents milling about, squirting sunscreen on any child foolish enough to come within range, and hordes of lithe young bodies from 5 to 18, all similarly clad in those curious hats and tiny speedos, and all milling about in a summertime approximation of Brownian motion. But as old man Shanky watched, he began to notice a semblance of order in the chaos. Hats of the same colour clumped together next to stacks of narrow, well-waxed boards. Periodically, a group of them would peel off and rush down the beach, a swarm of similarly-sized grommets off to meet clusters of competing hats for the next event. Here they lined up on the beach, each one silently facing the surf, and at the sound of the whistle, they took off into the ocean, their tiny legs lifted high to clear the water, and they dived headlong into oncoming waves. Old man Shanky marvelled as their skinny arms whirled and pulled them out, through the crashing waves and drifts of seaweed, towards a bright orange boy that was a mere dot at this distance. There, farther along the beach, hats sat atop taller, more muscular bodies that rippled and tensed. Each competitor held tight to the loops of a long board printed with the name of her club and, when the whistle blew, lunged into the waves, dragging her board beside her, flung herself atop it and began to paddle. As the boards pushed out past the cresting waves, old man Shanky gasped as the women hauled themselves onto their knees and scooped at the water with both hands, the boards cutting a white trail through the blue ocean. There, higher up the beach, a crowd had gathered around a large bare square of sand. Old man Shanky approached and watched with confusion. A third group of hats had lined up at the side of the square closest to the beach for what appeared to be the next round of competitive napping. They lay, their heads toward the ocean, face down in the sand with their hands folded under their chins. Old man Shanky stepped closer to observe this curious spectacle. Although their bodies were still, old man Shanky watched with satisfaction as they turned their heads to size up the competitors to either side. At the other end of the square, farther away from the water, a series of short pieces of hose pipe had been set in a line parallel to the hats. By old man Shanky's count, there was one fewer than there were hats. He began to get a sense of what was to come, and he grinned. Time for a bit of musical hose, I reckon, he chuckled. Flags, said one of the parents next to him. Musical flags? No. The parent looked over, slightly confused. Just flags. Old man Shanky looked disappointed. Don't see what's wrong with a bit of music. Heads down, the official announced. The hats bobbed, trembling chins pressing into the backs of their owners' crossed hands. It was a strange spectacle, these tiny bodies prostrate in the baking sand while a crowd of adults stood and watched. The tension settled on the crowd and choked down their words. Nervous breaths rasped in each child's throat and pushed up tiny puffs of sand in front of their lips. Their backs tensed like rubber bands pulled tight to the edge of snapping. An old man Shanky could feel his own heart race and match each beat with theirs. The whistle cut through the silence and startled the hats into frenzied motion. Up they shot like uncoiling springs. Their arms pushed the sand away and their knees pulled up sharply. Their feet twisted in the sand and their heads whipped around, bright eyes squinting in the sun and searching out the pieces of hose up the beach. The quickest among them was out in front like a rabbit, feet kicking clouds of sand into the faces behind him. That lot jostled for position, all flying elbows and pumping knees. 
bullying for an extra inch of advantage, for a shoulder pressing into the chest of the boy behind, or a heel landing on tardy toes. In a matter of seconds, the dash was over, and they were diving toward the pieces of hose. The jackrabbit in front grabbed his prize and rolled clear by the time the frantic mass cleared the no-man's land. Down they went, eight bodies flying through the air, and eight hands outstretched towards seven pieces of hose. One by one they stood, clutching their prize. All but two, who went down together, hands outstretched, and now rolled on the sand, each wrapping one hand around the last piece of hose, and using their free hand to try to shove the other away. It looked to be a draw, old man Shanky thought, maybe requiring a one-on-one runoff to decide the victor. But no, quick as a flash, blink and you'd miss it, one of the young fellows swung an elbow and jumped to his feet, holding the last piece high. The other staggered up, clutching his nose. The white sand clung to his thighs and chest, and to the bright red stream of blood that ran down his face and dripped onto the sand, leaving a trail of vivid rubies. He spat out a mouthful of sand and curled his empty hand into a fist as he stepped towards his opponent. Old man Shanky smiled and turned away. This seemed like his sort of sport. There was a danger in the crashing waves, a keen sense of cutthroat competition, and what appeared to be sanctioned bloodshed, all of which he considered essential. But he turned back towards the hotel, and that probably would have been the end of that, had he not heard the tinny strains of an old march blasted through speakers set up farther down the beach. He wandered among the tents until he found the cause. Regimented groups of youths and speedos carrying... Spills a rope? Matthew asked. What in the bloody hell is a rope for? It doesn't matter what the rope's for, old man Shanky growled back at him, annoyed by this interruption. It's wound up on a bloody big spool anyway, and you just carry it around. He'd gathered most of the younger Shanky clan down by the river, and was introducing them to his idea for Nara's next great sporting empire. Carry it around where? Georgina asked. Around the bloody beach, old man Shanky yelled in exasperation. You march it up and down the bloody sand, past the judges. That's why they call it March Past. The kids looked around them. They were standing on the banks of what the locals charitably referred to as Hogswash Beach. Inasmuch as the land met and gave way to water, it was, technically, a beach. The clayey soil sloped down and turned into a muddy bank which fell off sharply under the tea-coloured water of the river. Roots of the mighty gum trees that lined the banks cut across the beach at toe-jarring, ankle-spraining intervals, and gangs of swans menaced their stretch of it ready to nip at ankles or take stray fingers off anyone foolish enough to wander too close. It was not the most inspiring location for a sport born of broad white sand beaches and crashing blue waves. After a little arguing, they settled on practising march past on the footy oval, but old man Shanky insisted that they practise the other events as close to the water as possible. You can't bloody wade on a footy oval, he explained. To his great dismay, he shortly found out that you can't bloody wade on Hogswash Beach either. The combination of fast-moving water and the erosive effects of introduced carp had reduced the swash zone to one metre of slick mud which fell off to untold depths filled with hidden branches and treacherous currents. The fact that half of Narangong's burgeoning surf lifesaving team almost drowned while practising wading boded poorly for their chances in the swimming events. Flags were another disappointment. David and Dylan were the only ones keen to lie face down on the muddy banks, but after they dived for the flag and came up spitting out mouthfuls of mud and pulling handfuls of it out their jocks, there was a team-wide boycott of the event. In fact, the only event that gained widespread support was wakeboarding, which all the kids were already pretty good at, and, as Shane pointed out, had the added benefit that you could drink beer while you drove the boat. 
A couple of weeks later, old man Shanky received a copy of the official surf lifesaving rulebook in the mail and had to reluctantly inform the team that not only was wakeboarding not an official event, but that drinking beer during competition generally was frowned upon. That left only March past, but as old man Shanky passionately explained, that was the only event that really mattered. Every weekend they marched, up and down the length of the footy oval, around cones that old man Shanky set out at the regulation distance. They didn't have a spool of rope yet, so they made do with a 40 gallon drum lashed to a couple of posts. Don't worry about that, old man Shanky assured them with a wink. You'll have your reel on the day. They looked a bloody sight too, marching up and down that oval. Old man Shanky followed with a slender bamboo cane, stinging ankles that lifted too slowly or backs that slouched under the weight. Teamwork! He shouted over the bouncing marching tunes piped over the speakers around the oval. It's not enough to carry your side of the reel. You have to carry the whole thing for the team. Now do it again. So they practiced under the hot sun, and again as their shadows lengthened in the afternoon, and again under lights until every step fell in perfect bloody unison, and each back was straight and strong. Listen, I don't care how the other teams do it, I want the whole bloody thing in bronze. Old man Shanky was on the phone to Adelaide's preeminent supplier of surf life-saving March Past rope reels, and he was dissatisfied with their customer service. Nah, no fucking wood, mate. This thing's gotta last through generations of bloody champions. I can't have it rotten to bits. I want the whole thing in bronze, with a sign on top that says Narangong SLSC. He paused and shook his head intently as he listened. Nah, don't you worry about that, mate, he snorted over the line. I don't know how they do things in the city, but we breed them strong out here. Solid fucking bronze, a sign on top, and two... Nah, better make it 300 metres of your best rope. Yeah, he'll be there for the carnival in three weeks. Just leave it down on the sand with the rest of them. Old man Shanky slammed the phone down and smiled. His eyes glittered with the reflections of tanned bodies moving in perfect synchrony and his ears filled with the brassy bars of a military march. They made the drive down to Old Dinger in a rented minibus and put up in a motel the night before. By seven, when they got to the beach, it was already a patchwork quilt of tents, crawling with activity. As they made their way along the beach, the smaller tents of the friends and families gave way to expansive canopies topped with team flags. Each team had marked out its space, they stacked the narrow boards to one side and busied themselves waxing them. They set tables at the front of their area and covered them with peanut butter and fruit and muesli bars and jugs of water. Clusters of athletes huddled together for pre-race talks or to stretch. A bare patch of sand had been set aside for this lot from Nara. They hadn't brought a tent or boards or tables or peanut butter or fruit or muesli bars or water. In fact, the only thing they had brought... Sit it there in the middle, Shane, old man Shanky said and get some snags on. Shane set the Weber down on the sand and busied himself lighting the charcoal. David and Dylan dropped the esky next to it and handed their grandfather a beer. The sand was still cold underfoot from the overnight chill and the sun had not yet burned off the layer of clouds. Some older kids were lining up down the beach for the waiting and a gaggle of lean young kids in speedos and tiny hats hurried by on their way to the sprints. Down by the water in front of them, a handful of the youngest were playing in the surf. Old man Shanky smiled as an angry wave tossed a handful of them towards the beach in a tumble of seaweed and sandy foam. Popper, Matthew cut into old man Shanky's reverie. Eh? He grunted absentmindedly. 
taking a swig of his beer and grinning as one of the nippers crawled onto the sand and puked up a gutful of salt water. What the fuck are this lot wearing? The rest of the squad were looking around uneasily too. What the fuck are you talking about, Maddie? They're all wearing bloody speedos, Papa. It's like a bunch of... Matthew paused to spit. You're a fucking peons. I told you to wear your fucking bathers. And we fucking did, Papa, Matthew protested. True enough, they were all wearing their best footy shorts. But as small as they were, there was no doubt that the narrow lot were overdressed for the occasion. They look like a bunch of namby cunts, if you ask me, said Georgina. No one did, old man Shanky barked. Dylan let his gaze linger on a pack of passing speedos. I don't know, he said, pulling on the tightening fabric of his footy shorts. I reckon they look... There's no time for that shit, old man Shanky cut in. You lot have your first and only event in an hour, and I want you warmed up and ready to go by then. The reel was magnificent. True to his word, Adelaide's preeminent purveyor of surf life-saving march pass rope reels had left it on the beach early that morning. As the sun peeked through the clouds above, the reel glowed like a gift from some seafaring god with a fear of drowning. Tanned bodies were reflected and amplified in its shining curves. It was a monument to the great sport of surf lifesaving. A monument to Australia itself. And, like most monuments, it was drawing a lot of attention, and it was immobile. Matthew heaved on one corner of it. He grunted. This thing's not half heavy. It's a fucking team sport, alright? You lot gather round like we practiced. Old man Shanky took a moment to sneer at the teams nearby, who were gathered around their own inferior equipment. He cast a derisive gaze over the other reels, which were, each and every one, made of sun-bleached wood with team names spelled out in peeling letters on the side, and the rope visibly frayed from decades of use. Of course, as shitty as they looked, he couldn't help but notice that they enjoyed the considerable advantage of being easily hoisted to shoulder height. Alright, you lot. He turned back to the gang from Narangong. Gather around the reel. Remember, it's not enough to carry your side of the reel. You have to carry the whole thing for the team. I reckon the whole team's going to have to carry just my side, Popper. Matthew cut in. This thing weighs a fucking ton. Old man Shanky cuffed him on the back of the head. Lift! He shouted. A crowd gathered to watch. The group strained. I think my fucking back's going, Popper. Matthew complained. Lift with your fucking knees! But Adelaide's preeminent supplier of surf life-saving march pass rope reels had done his job and cast the world's finest, and certainly its heaviest, march pass rope reel out of solid fucking bronze. It's not fucking budging! Georgina straightened up, red in the face. They could feel the mocking gaze of the locals burning into their backs as they stood around the reel in confusion and despair. Can we borrow a reel of one of the other teams, Popper? Georgina asked. Old man Shanky started to answer, then stopped. He could hear the crowd whispering to each other and... Could it be? Yeah, they were laughing. Some chuckles and sniggers at these out-of-towners. For a brief moment, it was the worst sound he'd ever heard. Then the speakers popped and crackled to life and a military waltz blared across the sand. The march pass was starting without them. The small group from Nara stared up at him. Fuck this lot, he growled, in their fucking speedos and all. They look like a bunch of- I reckon they look alright, Dylan piped up. Put it away, let's get back to the bus. What about the real popper? Matthew asked. You don't reckon someone will steal it? Huh? Old man Shanky laughed. No fear, mate. She's sitting right there until I get Darren back here with the truck and hand crane. 
Nah, let's get back to the bus. They started trudging up the beach toward the esplanade. You going back for the barbie? Matthew asked. Old man Shanky had split off and was headed toward the team tents along the beach. You want a hand? What? The barbie? Old man Shanky seemed unsure. Uh, yeah, that's it. I'll be, I'll be right. You lot just get back to the bus. He started off down the beach again, and then suddenly turned. Just, uh, make sure you have it running, right? And just have the door open for me. And with that, he set off purposefully again. The rest of the team had only just sat down in the minibus when old man Shanky came running up from the beach, jumped through the open door, and slapped Shane on the back of the head. Drive! He yelled. Where's the barbie? Matthew asked. Forget it, old man Shanky said. Apparently he'd only thought to grab the matches, which he pocketed before sitting down. Just drive. Shane obliged, and the bus lurched down the esplanade and back towards home. Old man Shanky leaned back in his seat and breathed a sigh of relief. Matthew sniffed and opened the window. Bloody hell, Popper. You don't half-pong of kerosene. Hmm? Old man Shanky said, smiling as he looked out the window as the tents and boards and tables and wooden rope reels flashed by on the beach below. I reckon that's just the sea breeze. Darren headed down the following day and managed to haul the reel into the back of the truck with the small crane traditionally used for lifting hay raking equipment. He had no trouble finding the thing, he said. It stuck out like a sore thumb on the empty beach. The bronze was smudged and blackened. According to the locals, a mysterious fire had blown through the carnival the day before and turned the tents and boards and tables and wooden rope reels into so many piles of smoking ash. Old Man Shanky's prized bronze reel had survived, though, and buffed up to a bright new shine. There was no use putting the thing down at Hogswash and giving people a false sense of security. The Narragong Surf Lifesaving Club was in no position, and of no mind, to go saving hapless swimmers. But Old Man Shanky was loath to hide it away in his garage. In the end, Mum pointed out that, mounted on a pedestal, as all monuments should be, it would be an eye-catching decoration in the backyard, and at the perfect height besides, to replace her old hills hoist. So it sits out there now, a monument to Narangong's only athletic failure. Mum loves it, and each time she unspools the rope, hooks it on the side of the garage, and starts hanging up the wash, old man Shanky's sure to drop the needle on an old military waltz and let the pipes and drums lift each slippered foot and guide each peg in perfect synchrony. What a ripping yarn, and what a ripping time we've had bringing you the oral history of Narangong, South Australia's tidiest town 1993, 2003 and 2008, winner of Australia's best Cornish pasty 1997, and home to the renowned Fighting Roos, South East champions eight years running. This has been Welcome to Narangong, and although I'm sad we won't be bringing you any more episodes, I do hope you'll take it easy.